Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is about a new kind of Bible study technique. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up those knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so what is this fancy new Bible study technique you're talking about? <laughs> I think it's the easiest to say that people would recognize if they've either watched some of our Lenten Bible studies or if they have been present. I'll shorthand it by calling it, I wonder, I notice. Okay. And the way that this works is that you read the scripture slowly and encourage people to talk over top of you, to just shout out as they're listening, things that they wonder and things that they notice. Okay. It's literally that simple. It's truly that simple and that hard all at the same time. Okay. Okay. So I just read the scripture slowly, and in our congregation, because people talking over people isn't culturally normative. No, and there are some hard-of-hearing issues. Right. And so in our congregation, I speak slowly and I pause, Mm -hmm. like at the end of every verse, maybe I pause. Or if there's something that I'm wondering or noticing about... I might take a deep breath before I move on to the next phrase, just in case someone wants to say something out. Uh huh. And it has been really fascinating. It's been really interesting to watch how it goes. Now, where did you learn this technique from? So I learned this from two different workshops. The first was a one-day workshop that was held here in the Portland area, and the second was at the Byberg Preaching Conference. And The speaker for both of those events is Dr. Shannon Hannon. She is the preaching professor at Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary in Berkeley. Okay. And her kind of concept, what she's been teaching and preaching and talking about, is preaching as a community endeavor. That preaching is not just something that the pastor does to the people. Stand up give your speech, sit down. Right. And do all the study and all the work behind the scenes where no one sees you Okay, kind of a thing. But that this is, preaching is a community thing, that this comes from among and within the people as much as it comes from the pastor's studies. And so this is one way to begin to open up the ownership of the scripture and of the word, and of the public proclamation of that word. So an example, how I've used this, right? Our congregation, because this preaching style does kind of dovetail really well with the preaching style that Len Sweet has been teaching and that I've been studying over the last couple of years, there's more interaction, right? Yep. So Len Sweet style talks a lot about having an interaction where I'll say something and encourage the congregation to finish the sentence for me. Or... I'll set something up to ask a question and try to solicit feedback and have it be more of a conversation and more participational so that people are a little more engaged in the sermon time Mm -hmm. and it's less presentation and more participation. And this style of opening up and allowing the wondering and noticing to happen from among the people kind of dovetails really well with that. There was a Sunday that was less formal And that was the Sunday of Christmas Eve morning. I remember that one. It was the fourth Sunday of Advent. 
And the scripture, the gospel lesson for the fourth Sunday of Advent was the angel coming to tell Mary that she was going to be pregnant and Mary saying yes to this event. And so it's a very, very, very familiar passage at a very, very familiar time of year to be hearing the passage. And I was going to be preaching that night for Christmas Eve. And so I didn't want to write a full sermon out, like two full sermons out. It's not that I hadn't done the research or I hadn't done the background work. Or Or you're afraid of doing the work. Right. It's not any of that. It's just that this was an opportunity for a little less formal of a Sunday morning. I opened it up. I encouraged everyone to take a seat instead of standing for the reading and to sit. And I read the passage slowly and encouraged the congregation to try this I Wonder I Notice. And it was so cool. Yeah, the crowd wasn't a problem? No. And it it wasn't that large of a crowd. But I think even if you do have a larger crowd, I think people are, I don't know, maybe I could be totally wrong, but I think that folks are unduly afraid of people over speaking Mm -hmm. or people taking the soapbox. I think that most people, when given the opportunity to just wonder and notice about a scriptural passage, kind of enter into that with integrity and curiosity. And it worked really, really well. It was an incredibly powerful time. What was hilarious about it, the questions were rich and varied. And part of it is because of the familiarity, but also because it was a story, I think, that made a lot of sense. And it's easy to wonder and notice about things that make a lot of sense. And so like the questions were great. Things were going along great. We came to the end and I hadn't like answered any of the questions because it's not really about that. Exactly. It's not about answering questions. It's about letting the space kind of fill with the liveliness of the story. And I had the book and I like walked over to the pulpit and I set the book down and I was turning around to go back to the center and start pastor splaining. And like telling all the answers to all the questions and tie it together in a pretty little bow and put it on the Christmas package. And as I turned around, one of my assisting ministers rang the bells, which signaled the end of the sermon for us. (laughs) I didn't realize that you got cut off, basically. (laughs) Basically, the Holy Spirit totally gonged me. (laughs) Like, and you're done. And I like just turned around and sat down. Nice. (laughs) And it was such a wonderful moment for me to recognize. I was absolutely going to make sure that everyone knew that I had done my homework. And I hadn't just been lazy by doing this sermon this way, right? And that was totally my point. I'm going to go pastor-splain this now. But the Spirit just shut it down, Yep. told me to sit. And for weeks, members of the congregation were talking about what a cool sermon that was. It seemed completely intentional from the pew. <laughs> no, it was not. T- nope. That's it fascinating. Not. It was not. My ego really needed to make sure that people knew that I knew things. Oh, that's hilarious. So, and that's a great thing to battle against as a preacher. I think we all battle against making sure that people know that we know stuff. Mm -hmm. And the spirit just knocked that right out, which was great. You had another shot that evening. I did have another shot that evening. And since then, I've thought about using it again as a sermon. It's there as kind of a fallback, Uh but I haven't used it on a Sunday morning since then. Where have you been using it then? So I have been using it on Wednesday nights here during Lent. Okay. And it's been really fantastic. And I think this is part of how Dr. Hannon intends it to be used. And 
the root of this is back in Montessori-based education style. Okay. So anyone who's familiar with godly play as a way of teaching children might be familiar with this, that the model of that is that you're telling the story and you let the children wonder and notice. Okay. And you don't give answers and you don't try to drive them to a message. You just let their imaginations run. And so it's the same kind of concept just with adults and without tangibles in their hands. That's all. So I've been using it on Wednesday night and I'm reading the passages that I am most likely to be preaching on the following Sunday. Okay. And this is my opportunity, as Dr. Hannon encourages this, to be the preparatory work for the sermon. You're feeling out the crowd. I'm feeling out the crowd. I'm listening to hear where their curiosity is on the scripture passages for Sunday morning. And what it gives you the opportunity to do is it gives you the opportunity, one, to know what is whispering to your people. Mm -hmm. They might be coming from a completely different area than you are. And so at that point, you need to pay attention. Like, where's your disconnect as the preacher? And listening to the community, maybe they're bringing things up that you had thought that they would be interested in, but in a way or with a twist that you weren't expecting. Or maybe they have nothing to say about it. Maybe there's absolutely zero energy about a particular text. So, for example... The first week that I did this, one of the wonderings, the scripture passage was John chapter 2, the second half of the chapter, and it starts with, now it was the Passover when Jesus, and one of the members said, I wonder which Passover this is, because it seems like it's too early for this to be the last Passover. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so I took that question that kind of niggled and made me wonder about it, and then when I read the commentaries realize the vast difference between the cleansing of the temple stories in Matthew, Mark, and Luke compared to the Gospel of John, because it is in a completely different place. And so it takes a completely different role in that Gospel. And I would not have gotten there had it not been for that wondering question. Sure. So I put before the people this week the Exodus lesson, which is the Hebrew scripture reading for this coming week. And it's the lesson about People complaining in the wilderness that they really don't like stuff, that they're bored, they don't want to be there, and there are a whole bunch of snakes that come and bite them and kill a bunch of them. That sounds unhappy. And they're like, please, Moses, help us, talk to God, make things better, and Moses goes to God, and God says, make a serpent, and put it on a pole, and the people will look at it, and they'll live. And it works. And then the... I got a whole lot of wondering about that one. uh, Right? It's an interesting passage. And then the gospel passage that's paired with this week is the gospel of John chapter 3, where we get verse 316. John 316, right? Sure. So it's the Nick at Night passage. Okay. And it starts with, you don't recognize that you're talking to Nicodemus. That whole section isn't in there at all. But we start with the verse, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And what I found fascinating this week was that we had lots of wonderings and noticings in Exodus. Mm -hmm. And for the first two verses, we had plenty of wonderings and noticings in the Gospel of John. But as soon as we hit 316 and to the rest of it, nothing. Silence. Silence. Hmm. No one said anything. And so, you know, as I'm trying to come through for Sunday sermon, I'm like, okay, do I focus then? 
on the serpent and on the first half of this. Because you got a lot of questions. Because I got a lot of wondering. I got a lot of activity out of that. Or do you go for the blank? Or do I go for the blank space? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Right? And it's a totally different way of entering into Bible study and into conversation with the congregation that is just brilliant Mm -hmm. because it engages the spirit. It engages where people are at. No, I have not been at one of the Lenten services. So I'm curious, how do you find it changes from a big space like the sanctuary down to a smaller space with a smaller crowd? Do you get more participation that way or is there more with numbers? I think it's about even. Okay. I think the hard part of it in the small space is that when I'm in the large space, it makes a lot of sense for me to repeat what people are saying. Oh, yeah. Because like I'm back to the hard of hearing thing. Right? I do the microphone thing. I do the amplification piece. So I listen to it. I hear it. I amplify it through the microphone for everyone else. Mm-hmm. When we're in the small space, it feels more awkward to do that for every single person. Mm-hmm. And yet we're not passing around a microphone. We're not making people pick up a microphone or something like that. So there are people who are missing what is being said Mm -hmm. and what is being wondered and noticed. So I haven't figured out how to make that work quite yet. I actually have not been using a microphone on Wednesday nights now that I think about it. I'm fairly loud, but I don't typically like to tell people just be loud. Project. Let's go with project. Yeah. And projecting is good. And I typically encourage everyone to use microphones Mm -hmm. just because you don't know who is and who isn't hard of hearing. Nope. This last week was the largest group that we've had on Wednesday night. So that was the first time where maybe a microphone should have been used. Okay. The first night when there were like six of us, that's really awkward (laughs) to use a microphone. Yeah. Yeah. Now, have you used it with kids? I haven't. Okay. I have not used it with kids yet. I'm curious if kids are going to be more willing to throw things out in a group or if adults are... Yeah, I have to report back. It's a great question. Like I loved in the sermon, we did have kids who shared stuff. Uh We had a couple of middle students and we had one young one who shared their pieces as well. So I think that the kids, especially kids who have built trust with me, so they know I'm going to take their questions seriously. Sure. They feel safe enough to ask the questions. In our congregation, probably because for the last three years, we've been building up that kind of rapport that I'm totally okay with hearing your voice during my sermon, that it makes a big difference in the ability to participate. If we hadn't been slowly building to that over years, there's no way that the Christmas Eve morning sermon could have happened. No. You can't just toss something like this out to a congregation that is completely unaccustomed to having that kind of interaction. Well, and we're accustomed to having some interaction, but even then, as an introvert, I'm freaked out by the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, and I would say that's one of the challenges, right, is that we do have several introverts in our congregation and people who are like power introverted. And so this kind of an exercise, this kind of a thing is really intimidating and really scary. It's daunting. Yeah, and I think that's where doing it in a large group can be a little better because introverts, we're accustomed to just letting the extroverts do the talking, uh-huh. right? So it's not like you're in a circle where you have to talk. That and it's I think noticed when you don't right? talk. I think that's even worse. Oh, totally. For me as an introvert, I think that those moments when it's hard or awkward to pass. So I think the larger group of it still allows some anonymity. I do know that it's not dearly beloved by 
my introverted members. <laughs> yeah. And that's tough. That's yeah. a tough situation to kind of navigate. In the same way that doing greetings on Sunday morning and encouraging people to say hello to one another oh, and shake I hands. That. I know you totally hate it. And it really it's is important good. for the opportunity for people to learn how to say hello to each other. It is. And I kind of think that our congregation maybe leans towards introverted mm-hmm. in general. Not terribly so, but I think that more people would lean that direction than not. And so it's definitely a stretch for us mm-hmm. to do that kind of a thing. And I have to say that I got a little feedback from several introverts not liking that. So I haven't done the say hello to each other bit in the last month or two. There are benefits because I see my children when you go out to shake hands. Uh-huh. Going out and shaking hands in a way that I never, ever either would have been encouraged right. or would have wanted to right. at their age in my home congregation. Right. There's benefits. Mm-hmm. So I might pick that up again once we get to Easter. I might, you know. And <laughs> Duly the, warned. The other piece is, is that we have a lot of guests who show up on Sunday mornings. Yep. We have a lot of visitors who come in on Sundays. And the familiarity and the ease of the members in having the conversations and talking back gives them permission that they know that they can do that. Mm -hmm. This last week, though, I kind of scanned the visitors who were there and there were several who just were not making eye contact with me. (laughs) And I'm, I'm up there, I'm like saying hello to everybody and getting things out. And I'm like, and I'm missing eye contact with these folks. They are introverts. We are not doing. Way to read the crowd. Right. And we will not be doing I Wonder I Notice in this sermon. So there's a bit of just thinking on your feet as the pastor Mm -hmm. and being able to discern whether or not the setting, the crowd, the situation is going to be able to have this kind of feedback. The challenge with this is, is that you're giving up your position as the expert, right? The person who is leading the Bible study is no longer leading as the expert with the answers, Does that make it more appealing to be using on something like the Wednesday night setting instead of an actual sermon? For me, it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think for me, it's more appealing because I really value the wisdom, the knowledge, the life experience of the members around me. Mm -hmm. And I am someone who is educated and has studied the scripture and all those kinds of people. I am a professional Christian. Yes. (laughs) Right. That is my job. And... I don't value my voice over the voice of other people. I think that what they have and what they have learned and what they say, I really want to hear. And the lived experience of a woman of 94 years of age who's been a Christian all her life, that is astonishing wisdom and a relationship with the scripture that I do not have Mm -hmm. at my age and having been baptized as an adult. So... I want to know where the Spirit's whispering to her and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Have you done it enough to know that a certain segment gets more out of it? Like, are your hardcore Bible study person mm-hmm. is going to find it more interesting and inclusive mm. than those of us not so inclined towards Bible study? Mm, I love that question. I think it depends more upon personality okay. than it depends upon interest in the subject. Interest in the subject. I think 
There are some people who really, really love attending lectures. Okay. Right? And they love when an expert stands up in front and gives you the information. Take notes. And you get to take notes Mm -hmm. and you get to know that you know things. Right? That's really appealing for some. And there are some folks for whom the opportunity to be in conversation and to wrestle with each other and to debate and to question and to engage in that conversation, that that's what they really like. And I think that it comes down to more of that kind of a thing. Like what kind of learning style do you have and how do you best engage in learning from something? If you're someone who really appreciates having an expert who tells you something, this is going to feel like that expert totally slacked off. (laughs) Right? Like the week off. Took the week off, didn't do anything, and is totally slacking. And that was one of the things that Dr. Hannon had to address with the clergy as we gathered and we talked about this, is that this is not permission to not do your homework and to not do your work. You almost have to do as much or more because you need to be ready for all the potential of what comes up. There's no reason you can't do a follow-up, right? Right. And you can take the information and go digging elsewhere. But if you are totally and completely caught off guard, that's not going to engage trust. As the person holding the space and listening, you're the person creating the container for the wonderings. It's not going to inspire any sort of trust if you're the one caught off guard and you're the one leading. Exactly. And so your role as the leader in this is to be that non-anxious presence, is to be that space where questions are okay and you can affirm it and you can hold the space and you can let it be without reacting or without shutting people down. There's a whole different set of skills and a whole different kind of preparation you have to do to be able to open the space for all the wonderings of a room. Yeah, well, where it appeals to me is, as opposed to some of the other times when you're asking for responses, this especially doesn't feel like there's one right answer, and I'm going to get it wrong. Totally. Absolutely. This one really leaves it wide open. The only kind of wrong answer, and it's not that it's wrong, right? It's just that it kind of can derail the rest of the room, Mm -hmm. is when we start not wondering or not noticing, but when we start pontificating, Mm -hmm. right? That's when you can get off track because Mm -hmm. then people begin to think, oh, well, I'm not making connections like that or I'm not seeing like, well, I was just wondering where they were in Egypt. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I wonder who they are and that's my wondering. And when we start to make commentary, which many of us are wont to do, Mm -hmm then that can start to derail. And so that's where it's up to the holder of the space to encourage moving things away from that kind of conversation Mm -hmm. and back to those plain I wonder I notice statements. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right, then let's go on to the last question. Mm. Is there a particular passage that you are waiting to use this for or excited to possibly use this for? That's a great question. And I had not thought about this. It was so cool what we got out of the Mary passage. That could have just been a moment in time and just a fluke. But gosh, I would love to bring my favorite verses, Mark 3, 1 through 6, that story of the man with the withered hand that Mm -hmm. isn't in our lectionary at all. 
I would love to bring that into a worship service, into the worship space, and let people wonder and notice about that one. Because there's so much there, and we never hear it, and we never spend time within it. And so I would love to do that. That would be fun. As a lectionary preacher, will you just throw it out there? Mm, Probably not. Okay. (laughs) Duly noted. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about this new Bible study technique. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening. We hope that we can hear from you. You can email us at podcast at centralportland.org. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and you can always find us on Facebook. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.